Welcome back, everyone. Hey, it's Stacey and Pete. It's the We Don't Want to Grow Up podcast. Happy spring. Happy spring. As of this recording, it's a few days off still, but by the time it comes out, it'll already be gone. No, it won't be gone. It'll have started. Spring will have sprung. Have we already sprang forward? Yes. Yeah, that's the worst part of spring. But apparently that's not going to be happening. Maybe. We'll see. I want to see what happens. Daylight saving time, which, by the way, I've always said daylight savings time, but it's actually saving. Really? No S. There's no S. No S. Oh, I've been saying it wrong, too. I think most of us have. (laughs) (laughs) So it was a busy week on your social media pages, wasn't it? Yeah, we had some fun stuff. I thought I would just mention some of the posts that were kind of the highest performing, I guess, or that got a lot of... uh, responses, a lot of interactions. So we've started sharing some spring break videos, some MTV spring break. There was one of the girl group Dream. Do you know them? Dream. I think I don't other than seeing them on your page. Okay. Well, this was from the year 2001 and they were performing He Loves You Not. Loves you. Loves you not. That one? Okay. I do. (laughs) And they they were on... P. Diddy, Puff Daddy, Diddy, whatever you want to call him, Puffy's label. Oh, okay. And I think he dropped them. Every time I post about them, somebody says something about how he did them wrong. Oh, really? Yeah. But yeah, they they had a few big hits and they kind of disappeared. I mean, they're still together. Yeah. One of them actually used to follow us on Instagram and (laughs) she actually ended up getting into a little bit of a debate, we'll say, yeah, on one of the posts, not with me, but with one of our other followers. And I think she like took her toys and went home. Oh, she. I think she unfollowed, even unfollowed. though I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> but I don't know. Do you remember what it was about? Yes. You don't want to talk about it. <laughs> well, it was just. I mean, I just feel like if I start talking about it, I could talk about it all day. But it was a heart family commercial the the heart family toys and i believe she brought up something about how it was sad that it was you know they only showed white people in the commercials from back then and they didn't have toys for people of color and i feel like i remember yes this post and the controversy and i mean not not that what she said was controversial but the responses were yes. the interactions, I should say. I remember you talking about the interactions of people. Yes. And I mean, it is really hard. I've found when I'm looking for toy commercials and things like that, especially from the 80s, mm-hmm. to find anything other than white toys and white actors right. in these commercials. So she knows she wasn't wrong, but I think she just, I don't know. I mean, I think that was a post that I ended up deleting a lot of comments and blocking some people. <laughs> for the Hart family. Yeah, people dolls. people well, got upset. Yeah. Well, there you so, go. I did not block her though. Right. But she just chose to go her own way. You never know what's going to fire off controversial. Oh, sometimes it is the most shocking things yeah. you, you wouldn't believe. Anyway, 
Then I shared I shared the intro from the TV show Ramona from mm-hmm. 1988, based on the books by Beverly Cleary. Like she has a whole Ramona series. Like she just passed away in 2021, but these books go back to I think the first Ramona book was in the 50s, and then they span. The first one that I was really into was Ramona Quimby, age eight which came out in like 81. Uh-huh. Of course, I wasn't reading when I was two, but those books <laughs> like stand the test of time. Do they? Yeah. Is that the same thing as like Ramona and Beezus? Yes. Beezus was her big sister. Oh, okay. So there was a show and like so many people were commenting that they used to go check out the VHS tapes from the library. For Ramona? Yes. Oh, really? Yes. I was actually surprised at the response. It was way bigger than I thought it'd be. That's cool. Then there was, I don't know if you remember these or if you were too old. Do you remember? I mean, I know you remember the movie The Land Before Time, but do you remember when Pizza Hut had the like hand puppets? Are they like the finger puppets or well, like no, a they, full hand puppet? I feel like a, a child hand could fit inside. They were like rubbery kind of. Uh, the rubbery piece is jogging a memory. This movie was a little too young for me. I feel like my, well, maybe. 88? Yeah. Like, I was way too old for this movie. Oh, you were 12. Yeah. I feel like my younger sisters and maybe younger brother Yeah, they were probably into were into it. I was super into it. I know it was on all the time. Yes. I still have that VHS, like the the one that I had as a kid. It's like one of the only ones that I really held on to. Yeah. And it had the Pizza Hut commercial at the beginning, which was the birthday party. I've Did shared it? it on our Instagram yeah, a couple times. That sounds really familiar. But to answer your question, no, I don't think I remember the hand puppets. Most of what I didn't have any. I remember seeing them as I was older, like teaching. There would be some still in the we would call them the rainy day toys. <laughs> yeah. The rainy day toys bucket. Right. And it would just be a bunch of small toys like, you know, Happy Meal toys and things like that. And I remember seeing some in there. We'd pull those out when we couldn't go out on the playground, but it was something special for the kids. So it still felt like something fun for them to do. But anyway, one of the things that a lot of people said about that when they saw this commercial was that they can still remember how the puppets smelled. See, I feel like there are these plastic toys from that time period where I can still smell them. But I might be thinking of like My Little Pony or something. Yeah, they had a smell too. Hmm. Another thing I posted was the intro for the cartoon, The Adventures of Teddy Ruxpin. Ah. You remember the doll, Teddy Ruxpin? Absolutely. Yeah. This, I actually don't, I personally didn't remember watching the cartoon, but I remember the the toy, of course. The intro that you shared seemed familiar, but I don't remember watching the show either. But again, that was like mid-80s, I believe. Yeah. Mid to late 80s, but it also had a big response. And then I shared the clip from Beverly Hills 90210. We actually talked about this. I believe we've talked about this before. I tried to hold back because it is like one of my all-time favorite episodes of 90210 ever. But it's from season two. And we've only covered season one. Mm -hmm. But it's when Color Me Bad guest starred on 90210. (laughs) Okay. And this is the end of the episode because like throughout the episode, The girls and David go to the Beverly Hills Hotel. I think that's the hotel they went to. And they're just like trying to meet the band. Like the band is there. They're trying to meet them. Kelly ends up meeting them. Donna finds out her mom is cheating on her dad. So she becomes very upset. And she was the one that was really all about Color Me Bad. So it really ruined her day. So at the end, they're all at the Peach Pit. And Kelly surprises Donna with Color Me Bad coming into the Peach Pit, sitting down on some stools. And serenading (laughs) all of them, especially Donna. Yeah. 
you know, this was one of those things that was just like a fantasy come to life. I mean, it was fun for me, too. Like, I like this band and it was awesome to see him on the show that I really liked as well. And what is hilarious is that just before we came up here to record, I was looking at my TikTok because I also shared I share a lot of the same things, not everything, but a lot of the same things on our TikTok that I do on Instagram. And Brian Abrams, who was the lead singer of Color Me Bad, was all up in my TikTok comments. <laughs> and he said, like, thanks for sharing to me. And then, though, he was actually responding to people who said negative things about him. Really? Yes. Why were they saying negative? Well, I think that he, somebody said something about, or they're like, I used to love Brian Abrams, but I can't believe the maniac he turned into. Oh. It's a good thing we didn't marry. And then he responded and said, me either, but I've been clean and sober for three years. So yeah. I guess he had a battle with oh, did he? drugs and alcohol or, you know, something of that. Ilk. Uh-uh. Ilk. <laughs> <laughs> and then someone else was like, worst boy band ever. And he was like, we weren't a boy band. He's like, boy bands are manufactured. We grew up together. Yeah. I was like, boom, you tell That's him, right. Brian Abrams. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Taking no crap. <laughs> I like that. And we had... A very large amount of people this week reaching out asking for the show and tell questionnaires. Did we? Yes. I love that. I know. And speaking of, who have we chosen this week to come to the front of the class for show and tell? This week we have Brian Klecker. Brian. I think Brian just joined us on Patreon, actually. Did he? Could be wrong. Sorry if it's not the same Brian, but I'm pretty sure this is him. A Brian did. A Brian joined our Patreon this week. Thank you for doing that. He was born in 83. Favorite 80s movies, Beetlejuice, Highlander, and They Live. What's They Live? They Live, I never watched. I was too scared of the cover. Oh, is it a horror movie? I think so. I mean, it sounds like it would be. I feel like I'm seeing on the cover a manhole cover being just like open just a little bit. And I either see like hands or eyes or something like that. I never rented it. Okay. For me, I feel like maybe it's like a zombie movie. Maybe. Could be way off. Apologies, Brian. I'm going to go look it up soon and see what you it do. is. You do. I love Highlander, though. That's a great call. And obviously, we love Beetlejuice. Favorite 80s song, Easy Lover by Philip Bailey and Phil Collins. That's a good one. That is a good one. Favorite 90s movies. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yes. Three Ninjas and Mortal Kombat. There's a theme here, <laughs> Brian. And I have to add that I loved all of these as well. I saw the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie and was Vanilla Ice in that one and the second one or just the second one? I don't remember. I just remember, go ninja, go ninja, go, go ninja. Sorry. <laughs> Favorite 90s song, probably not Ninja Rap by Vanilla Ice. <laughs> Just Another Day by John Cicada. It's a good one. Favorite shows, Saved by the Bell, Simpsons. X-Files, Mystery Science Theater 3000. Yes. Are You Afraid of the Dark? All good ones. 
Favorite toy, NES. I got a Nintendo for my sixth birthday and pretended to faint when I opened it. <laughs> and he actually sent a picture of that moment. Did he? Yes. So I'll be sharing that when I share all of his pictures the day that this comes out. I can't wait to see it. Favorite book. Loved comics as a kid. Then, when I was 12, my mom got me the first book of Stephen King's Dark Tower series, and I've been obsessed with his work ever since. I have to admit, I have never read any of the Dark Tower series, but I've thought about it a lot. Mall Stops, Spencer's, Hot Topic, KB Toys, Walden Books, Suncoast, and I made sure to never leave the mall with money. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great goal to have. <laughs> so anything else, when I was 23, I came up with the idea to have a kids' night where we would abstain from all the partying we'd been doing and just basically have a sleepover. We watched old movies, we played old video games, and stayed up all night. No booze, no phones. We ordered pizza, ate candy, and drank way too much pop. I like that he called it pop. <laughs> Seriously, one of the most fun nights of my life. I highly suggest trying something similar. That's a great idea. I like that. It is a great idea because I feel like we do a lot of that anyway, but probably still have booze yes. and phones. And phones. So that'd be an interesting way to change it up. That's where we need to get like a Kodak fun saver yes. and we can only take pictures of that. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and then we have to take it to get it developed and can't get it for two weeks. <laughs> thank you, Brian. Yes. Thank you, Brian. And if you would like to be featured on our show and tell segment, just send us a DM on Instagram at we don't want to grow up pod or email us at we don't want to grow up pod at gmail.com. And you can find us on TikTok at we don't want to grow up. There is a very fun Facebook group, the Cozy Club, fans of We Don't Want to Grow Up. You can help support the podcast by joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash we don't want to grow up. And if you'd like our content, we'd really appreciate you giving us a five-star rating and a quick review. It may be annoying that we ask this all the time, but those numbers do matter for us. So if you haven't done that, please just take a few moments of your time. And share about the podcast and our social media. If you have any friends or family that you think might enjoy it, spread the word. Let them know. All right, so what movie are we covering this week? This was your idea. Yes. We covered Batman. From 1989. Yes, the, finally. The first installment of the Warner Brothers initial Batman film series. Obviously based on the DC comic characters of the same name by Bill Finger and Bob Kane. Do you remember that picture of the Batman when they were at the news station and they were making fun of Knox because he was like chasing after the Batman and they said, oh, look, we've got a sketch of a witness who saw the Batman. And it was like it looked like a bat in like a suit. Yes. That was drawn by Bob Kane. Oh, really? Yes. This was produced by John Peters and Peter Goober and directed by Tim Burton. I always forget that Tim did. He just did the first two, right? Yeah, he did the first two. He was supposed to keep going, and I think he got tired of it. So Bruce Wayne is a millionaire. Well, back then he was a millionaire. I think he's a billionaire now, so it's kind of grown. But millionaire philanthropist who fights crime in Gotham City, disguised as Batman, a costumed hero who strikes fear into the hearts of villains. This is all because he witnessed his parents' brutal murder when he was a child. He faces off with the Joker, who seizes control of Gotham's criminal underworld while trying to continue to hide his identity and protect his new girlfriend, Vicki Vale. The cast. 
Jack Nicholson as Jack Napier slash the Joker. Hugo E. Blick as young Jack Napier. And he did look a lot like Jack. He did. Michael Keaton as Bruce Wayne slash Batman. Charles Roskilly as young Bruce Wayne. Kim Basinger as Vicki Vale. Robert Wall as Alexander Knox. Pat Hingle as Commissioner Gordon. Billy D. Williams as Harvey Dent. Lando. Lando. Michael Goh as Alfred Pennyworth. Alfred. The best. Jack Palance as Carl Grissom. I always thought it was Palance. No, I think it's Palance. All right. Confidence is very sexy, don't you think? (laughs) Jerry Hall as Alicia Hunt. Tracy Walter as Bob the Goon. (laughs) Bob the Goon. (laughs) Lee Wallace as Mayor Borg. William Hootkins as Lieutenant Max Eckhart. David Baxt as Thomas Wayne, Bruce's dad. And Sharon Holm as Martha Wayne, who is Bruce's mother. We didn't see them for very long. We didn't. Uh, Brief flashback to their deaths. R.I.P. R.I.P. So fun facts considered for the role of Batman were Mel Gibson, Kevin Costner, Charlie Sheen, Tom Selleck, Bill Murray, Harrison Ford, and Dennis Quaid. A who's who of 1989 Hollywood. Yes. Really, any of them could have done it. Yes. I don't know about I feel Bill like Murray. That, I feel like that's shade to, to Michael Keaton. I don't mean that. I don't mean it that way, but. Well, I had this entry in here, but I think I took it out. There was so much backlash about Michael Keaton. I know. I read being that cast. too. Like there was like 50,000 letters sent in like protesting. It was kind of like how we talked about Vince Vaughn in old school, yeah. how they didn't want him because he had only done like serious roles and they didn't think he could do comedy where it was the other way around. Michael Keaton had only done comedy and they didn't think that he would be able to pull off a serious role. Well, it just goes to show you, people, they're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So Robin Williams, may he rest in peace, Yes, was offered the role of the Joker because Jack Nicholson was hesitating. And he had accepted the role, but the producers approached Nicholson again and told him that Williams would take the part if he didn't. So then Nicholson took the role. They released Robin Williams and Robin Williams resented being used as bait And not only refused to play the Riddler in Batman Forever, which came out in 95, but also refused to be involved in any Warner Brothers project until the studio apologized. And I don't blame him. They're jerking him around. That sucks. Right. He was probably very excited about the role. And I mean, Jack Nicholson was iconic in this role, but I would have loved to have seen Robin's take on it. Yeah. Others considered for the role of the Joker. Tim Curry. (laughs) David Bowie. John Lithgow. Brad Dereef. Ray Liotta, and James Woods. Wow. So a quote from Jack about his role as the Joker. He said, the thing I like about the Joker is that his sense of humor is completely tasteless. He has said that this was one of his favorite roles that he's ever played. And he loved his performance so much that at one point he was watching that film once a week at his house. I can only imagine... What was going on? Like, would everybody have to sit there and watch it with him? Or was it just him watching? Yeah. Or was it just like on the background? And two, like the Joker is such a mad character that like, I must just feel like it would have you in a weird mental space. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe he's not so method that. Perhaps. You know. It's definitely not a light movie. Right. So Jack Nicholson, along with his pay, received a percentage of the gross of the film. And due to its massive box office take, he made around $60 million, which at the time was a record. Now it's like 12th best still. Uh, 
Keanu Reeves actually made, well, reportedly made $156 million for The Matrix Reloaded and Revolutions, and Will Smith made around $100 million for Men in Black 3, just as a comparison. Is that because they have a percentage of the I profits, so. not yes. just what they made for acting? but Right, exactly. Like they got some points on the back end. I read that Jack had some stipulations for taking the role and having a percentage was part of it, along with... 300 green (laughs) (laughs) M&Ms. It it was something like he, oh, he had to have top billing, Mm -hmm. which is kind of wild to think like he had top billing over the person who played Batman, which is what the movie's called. Right. And then he had to have like his own set time or whatever. Like he did. He's got, he, he did have a very late call time in comparison to everybody else. Like he was allowed to come in at like 10 because he stayed up until like, Three in the morning. So he would come, show up. Michael Keaton had been there since like six in the morning. He would come sit in the makeup chair and fall asleep while they did his makeup. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like Joe Pesci always wanting to get around a golf in. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they said he'd have like late dinners and be hanging out till super late every night. Like, I can't let this acting thing get in the way of my life. <laughs> so Michael Keaton was a little concerned that it would be too easy to figure out who Batman was. So he talked with Tim Burton about ways to better disguise the character, including the use of contact lenses. But ultimately, Keaton decided to perform Batman's voice at the lower register than how he was portraying Bruce. And that technique became a staple for all the future portrayals of Batman in film and television, video games, especially Kevin Conroy and Christian Bale. I'm not wearing hockey pads. (laughs) (laughs) So the Joker at times has to wipe the flesh-colored paint off to reveal his white skin underneath. You remember those parts? Oh, yeah. I remember thinking, like, I wonder how they did that. It's funny. I've never thought about it. That's how good it was. It just looked like that. I've just never contemplated. You're like, no, his, his, face his face is, is white. actually white. So. <laughs> right. So makeup designer Nick Dudman came up with the solution. They painted, of course, Nicholson's face white, and then they put on a thin layer of food-grade silicon oil, which nothing sticks to. They then take flesh-colored grease paint and painstakingly painted it to where it was literally sitting on top of the oils. Then they airbrushed it and faded it in to make it look natural. After soaking the Joker's handkerchief in alcohol, Nicholson was able to wipe his face and it would strip off just the grease paint, leaving the white paint intact. Fascinating. I thought it was. Michael Keaton actually came up with the famous line, I'm Batman. In the script, it said, I am the knight. That is so much better and absolutely iconic at this point. I know. Good job. So, you know, one of my favorites, of course, is the Batmobile. So the Batmobile was built on the chassis of a Chevy Impala. It incorporated the engine of an Impala as well. It had the taillights of a Ferrari, the fuel caps of a London bus, and jet engine parts from a Harrier jump jet. <laughs> wow. The sliding cockpit was also inspired by that of a Harrier. Art director Terry Acklin Snow added the headlights of a Honda Civic to the vehicle <laughs> after noticing no. them on his wife's car. That's funny. <laughs> and one other thing about the Batmobile, when Burton first saw the life-size polystyrene model of the Batmobile, he turned to the art director and said, great, where's the door? Oh, no. (laughs) The design team suddenly realized that 
Their design lacked any doors, and inspired by the aforementioned Harrier, they added the sliding cockpit. Ah, uh, that's good that they could just kind of roll with it. Yeah, I just think that's funny. It's like, you're just like, all right, Tim, we've got it. We've got it. Here's the model. And he's like, oh, this is wonderful. Where are the doors? <laughs> <laughs> so there was an interview in 2020 where Michael Keaton said that he was really nervous and self-conscious about working with Jack Nicholson, which I would be too, mm -hmm. because he's just so strong on film and has so much power. 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 But Nicholson ended up like making everybody feel really, really relaxed. And they ended up becoming close friends. So Which is wonderful. It was good. But it, it goes to show you can't judge a book by its cover, right? That's right. <laughs> so there's this part in the movie where the Joker tells Bob to tail Knox, the reporter. And that was actually ad-libbed by Jack Nicholson. He does his impression of Grissom where he's like, oh, Bob, remember, you're my number one guy. <laughs> Completely ad lib. That was excellent. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I rushed it a little bit, you know, so people wouldn't get bored. I can do it better. So he was doing a, a Jack Palance, as you say. Yes. Uh, breathy voice. He was. Jack Palance, in my mind. Jack Palance. I guess it would be two L's if it was Palance, huh? Yes. So are we saying that you're wrong? <laughs> <laughs> so Tim Burton hired Danny Elfman, who was his collaborator on Pee Wee's Big Adventure and Beetlejuice, to compose the music score. But producers John Peters and Peter Goober were iffy about hiring Elfman because they wanted Prince to write the music for the Joker and Michael Jackson to do the romance songs. They were reaching high. Huh. That is an interesting thought of what that would have come out like. We got close, though, because Elfman took that along with The Dark Knight Returns as inspiration, and he combined the style of Prince and Jackson songs together for the entire film score. And, as I'm sure most of you know, Prince himself wrote and sang all of the film songs. I love the soundtrack. That mixture of all of them, to me, is wonderful. Mm -hmm. I did read where Tim Burton was really against having Prince involved, but eventually came around. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So final fun fact, Tim Burton doesn't think that Michael Keaton could have found his Batman voice until he put the costume on. The actor was able to internalize better as he couldn't hear people inside of the cowl. He said it was like you're talking to a deaf person. And that's what Michael Keaton said as well. He said you couldn't hear anything inside of the suit. Hmm. And that's partly what uh, would help him get in the Batman mood because you just felt... You so just, isolated. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. All right. Time for favorite moments. Do you want to go first? I know you had a ton of favorite <laughs> moments to list. I will go first. I had a few. It's just hard in a movie that's so serious to find favorite moments. Why so serious? <laughs> <laughs> a little later, but it'll yes. it'll do. <laughs> All right. So when Bruce and Vicky are on their first date, they're having dinner. At Bruce's mansion, they're in this massive dining room. They're sitting on opposite ends of a really long table. And Vicky asks, could you pass the salt? And he has to get up and walk all the way down to her. And she's asking him if he likes eating in there. And he's like, to tell you the truth, I don't think I've ever been in this room. <laughs> so they end up going and eating with Alfred in the kitchen. And like Alfred's telling all these stories and it just feels really cozy. And it's I feel like it's where she starts to see the real Bruce. 
Yeah, I could see that. It like he opens up and you can see he's just a dude. He's like, <laughs> ah, yeah, this room sucks. <laughs> well, she's hearing all these stories about him from someone who knows him better than probably anybody. Right. So. Plus, Alfred's the best. So. Alfred is the best. All right. My first favorite moment. I love how upset the Joker gets when Batman steals all of his balloons. <laughs> like he's just like ranting around and be like, those are my balloons. Why didn't anybody tell me he had something like that? And then he shoots poor Bob. Bob oh. gets it because he didn't know Batman was coming with the Batwing. So he's like a kid having a tantrum. That's exactly what it was. My second favorite moment, when the Joker is looking at the newspaper about Batman and it says winged freak terrorizes, he's reading it and you can tell he's like annoyed by it all. And then he says, Where they get a load of me? And then you get that classic cackle. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't even really remember watching this movie when I was a kid. I know that I have seen it. Yeah. But I was so young when it came out. And, you know, again, it's not one that I rewatched over and over or anything. I was more into the 90s Batman movies. <laughs> anything with Chris O'Donnell <laughs> as Robin. <laughs> That's what I was into. But I know, I know that those are, in your opinion, not the better Batman movies, but... Well, in general opinion. Okay, that's fine. Listen, <laughs> just I, again, I don't, I don't really remember. I had a okay. Batman poster on the back of my bedroom door when I was in high school, but I don't really remember those movies. I had a Batman poster, but it was the Batman movie after this one. Yeah. Batman Returns. I have to, I'll have to look and see which one, like which movie that poster's from, yeah. but I'm guessing that it's probably like Batman Forever or something. Actually, no, my poster was from this movie. Was it? Yeah. But I just love it because of the fact that, like, I don't really remember the movie. But as soon as I heard that line, I was like, oh, this is what that's from. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we it's just a testament to the impact that the movie and Jack is the Joker had on pop culture. Yeah, absolutely. Because to me, I f that feels like that should be one of those like, you know, uh, what's a Clint Eastwood line? Are you feeling lucky? Yeah. Punk? Yeah. Something like that. Like. <laughs> I don't know. It's like the top 100 moments in film history. Right. I bet you it's one of them. It probably is. Or it ought to be, like you're saying. All right, my second favorite moment, the Batmobile. I love this Batmobile. It's such an incredible car, such a great design. I was having so much fun when we were looking up facts, like reading about all that went into the design. And while it's on screen, I just cannot take my eyes off of it. It's gorgeous. <laughs> Stunning. He did light up when it came on screen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> My third favorite moment is that whole scene where the Joker is passing out all the money, like the $20 million that he's giving out to everyone. He's on this big parade float and the Prince song Trust is playing. Trust, who do you? Trust, what makes you love trust. It's such a fun scene. And aside from all the killing, I like his energy. <laughs> it is good energy. Like he's he's really excited to be out there with everybody. There's a deleted scene where the crowd finds out it's counterfeit money. Oh. And it's got the Joker's face on the bills. Oh, because he says that he, w he wants his yes. face on a dollar bill. That's yep. funny. I think they should have left that in. They should have. Although I was trying to remember back to the theatrical cut and whether or not that whole parade scene was quite as long as it was in whatever 
version we just watched. Right. We might have been watching an extended scene. Yeah, maybe it was because I don't remember it being that long. But maybe, you know. They had to have shown some of it, though, because it carries over to more things that happen right there. Absolutely. I just don't remember the whole beginning of it. Yeah. But, you know, it could just be that I'm not remembering it. All right. My third and final favorite moment, the scene where the Joker comes in to the museum. (laughs) Or as some of us call it, museum. (laughs) And he says... Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Lawrence. And then we get, you know, the whole entrance and the dance and music sequence where they're parading around the museum, destroying art, unfortunately. It Um, is a fun scene, though. It reminds me a little bit of, like, the break-in movies. Yeah? Break-in and break-in 2, Electric Boogaloo. (laughs) (laughs) I love the song. What is it? It's Party Man. That's playing on a gigantic boombox. HMs. So I love Kim Basinger's style throughout the whole movie and her hair. And she would transition back and forth between straight and curly. And really, it just I would stare at it in amazement. It it actually distracted me from what was happening in the scene because (laughs) it made me miss the days when someone could just let their hair air dry. They could just go with it all messy and frizzy and with no real like distinct curls. Right. I mean, that's like how my hair looks when I get out of the shower (laughs) and don't dry it. But I don't think I pull it off like Kim. Oh, you do. There was something about like the late 80s, early 90s where girls could just do that and they still looked sexy. Do you think that there was, I I feel like a stylist was doing that though, on purpose. I was staring at her curl. Well, it's like occasionally it would look like a curl had been made and put into her hair, but mostly it was just frizzy. Yeah, she did have a- I think it was on purpose, but I think that was just her hair and they probably just kind of zhuzhed it a little and said, okay, go. And I remember like that one scene where it's like she has like straight hair and then a single under hair braid. Oh yeah. She had some random braids throughout too. Yeah. It was unique. Yes. She's gorgeous, though. She is. All right, my first HM, when Alicia walks up behind Jack and says, You look fine. I didn't ask. I always just thought that was so, like, cool of Jack. I mean, that confidence. Yes. He's like, I didn't ask you how I look. I'm not not worried about how I look, (laughs) you know? Yeah. I wish I could be like that. Ditto. And she's just being nice and trying to be like, she's probably just reading him wrong and thinking that he looks like he's worried about how he looks, you know? So she's like, you look fine. He's like, yeah, don't worry about it. He's like, I I know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And the rest of mine, maybe I should let you finish your HMs and then we'll get to mine. Okay. Because you know what I've got here. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I've got one more to do here. We both noticed this when the Waynes are coming out of the theater with young Bruce. They're like walking through the street. And a sex worker tries to hit on Bruce. And he's like, 10. He's a kid. (laughs) It's just like, what are you doing? And the dad's like dragging him away. And I'm like, what just happened? I did read that that part was supposed to be played by a much younger actress, somebody that was like 13 or 14. Oh. So maybe, yeah, maybe that's why it got left in the script and nobody thought about it. They probably should have scrapped that whole thing. Maybe had her hit on the dad or the mom. Would have made a little (laughs) bit more sense. Would have been real interesting if they had her hit on the mom. Yes. (laughs) Change things up. Get progressive in 1989. All right. Well, so you you don't have any more HMs. What do you have? (laughs) I have complaints or as you refer to them, 
bat plants. (laughs) 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 Bat plants! (laughs) So there were a few things that I noticed while watching this movie that I was yelling at the TV about. You were. First of all, (laughs) there's a pretty long list here. So Bruce, on their first date, got Vicky drunk Mm -hmm. and took her to bed. Yes. I mean, it was obviously consensual, you know, because she wasn't upset about it. I think she, she, I don't think she was that drunk, you know what I mean? But she was tipsy. But he wasn't really drinking. And he was filling her glass up with wine when it wasn't even empty. He was drinking, wasn't he? Well, he had something. He had a glass, but then, like, when he's guiding her up the stairs where she's clearly hammered. Yeah. And she says, I feel a little drunk and you're not anything. (laughs) And he says, hey, one drink and I'm flying. And she said, why are you afraid of flying? So, I mean, but he clearly wasn't drunk. So, you know, I I mean, and I'm thinking maybe he has to stay sober in case he has to go save someone in the middle of the night. Right. Being responsible and all. But like, I still didn't like it. Yeah, he shouldn't have got her quite so drunk. It was just the move of filling up her glass before it was empty that made me feel a little. Yeah. I don't know. Didn't like it. Questionable things in the late 80s. Yes. Okay. Bat plaint number two. Number two. (laughs) (laughs) He asked her how much she weighed. He needed to know. Because he was going to do some quick math and figure out, like... He knows how much he weighs. He knows the lifting power of his device. So he has to quickly add her weight to the total weight. To make sure that it would hold. Yes. All right. Well, still, I mean, you know, you really shouldn't ask a lady how old she is or how much she weighs. Right. But anyway, so that happened. She guesses. She's like, I don't know, I think around 108... And then later had the audacity to tell her that she weighed more than 108 pounds. One of the most memorable lines to me of the entire movie. I always thought that was so funny. Like, you weigh a little bit more than 108. (laughs) (laughs) That's so mean. Don't like it. (laughs) All right. Bat plank number three. He just, I don't remember what happened. Was she drugged? Like When she ends up like on her bed? Passed out. Yeah. But she's not passed out. I think she was drugged by the Joker, maybe? I think so. I can't remember Forgive how she me. got Forgive me. I don't remember exactly what happened right before this. But, you know, we see that, like, he's with her, and then all of a sudden he drops her off. We see her on her bed, sideways, with her head hanging off the side of the bed. Yeah. Like, that is not good for anybody's neck. Like, if you're not going to take the time to tuck her in, at least lay her to where she's comfortable and she's not going to wake up with a stiff neck. <laughs> He's a busy man. Rude. He is fighting crime across an entire city. Okay, well, you're so chivalrous, but you can't lay your lady down nicely on her bed. He just tossed her. Anyway, it just wasn't very gentlemanly. And speaking of not being a gentleman, my last complaint. Bat point. Bat point. (laughs) Is that he's trying to talk to her. He's trying to tell her something and she keeps talking. And he pushes her down roughly and tells her to shut up. That's very rude. Nobody taught him manners. No, they didn't. Alfred, for having all those manners, did not pass them along to young Bruce. I understand that what you have to say is more important than her questioning you, but, like, you don't need to be so rough. And you could just be like, baby, let me tell you what's going on. I'm going to tell you right now. Listen, this is the same guy that probably launched her like a grenade into her bed. (laughs) Sideways with a stiff neck. Oh, goodness. She's got, now she's forever got nerve damage in her neck. (laughs) Is that your final bat plaint? (laughs) That's my final bat plaint.
I have one other favorite moment that I forgot about. Okay. There was this tiny little spot in the movie where the Joker's watching something on TV, or actually in the shot, you, the viewer, are just viewing a TV screen. And then, bam, like one of those punch glove things that's on like a extendable arm <laughs> smashes the TV and you screamed so <laughs> loud. It scared the crap out of you. And it was hilarious. <laughs> it got me. Oh, I was so happy. It's those jump scares <laughs> yeah. that get me every time. <laughs> oh, man. So that's it. Thank you for sitting through this with me. I appreciate <laughs> you giving me this gift. Well, you're very welcome. I forget how I earned this one. You didn't. You just said, hey, I think we should do Batman in 1989. And I said, okay. Is that what I said? Or did I say it differently? Did I say- You were working- Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Batman. The Batman. Batman. Where did you get that from? Goldbergs? Goldbergs, yes. <laughs> the the grandpa will not not call him Batman. Batman. So now that's all Pete says. Yes. But again, thank you. I had a good time covering this. It was fun watching it. I mean, you know- Superhero movies are not generally my thing, or they're movies that I am never excited to watch. But generally, when I watch them, I enjoy them. We just last night watched Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah, you got me to watch two superhero movies in one day. In one day. We almost watched Batman Returns, which is my favorite Batman movie of the old Batman movies. But we instead watched Spidey. Yes. Well, I knew it would make you happy. I mean, I wanted to see it, too, because that was one. I wasn't feeling well mm -hmm. when you went to go see it. And I had gotten a few spoilers before we watched it. But I you was did? Still, yeah. You spoiled me. I did? Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. I have a tendency to do that. <laughs> it's OK, though. It was still amazing and emotional and wonderful. And I thought it was a real treat, especially for huge Spider-Man fans. Absolutely. Like every time we kept pausing it because I was just like, oh, my gosh, were you freaking out when this <laughs> happened? Because I know he he is such a Spider-Man fan that I just needed to know, like, what, OK, what were you thinking when this happened? Yeah. What did you do when this happened? Not so. that anything happened in this movie. I mean, because it's, a it's movie. brand things new. Things happen. Yes. Things happen that were normal. <laughs> <laughs> totally normal. Totally normal. Anyway, it was a great movie, though, and I'm glad we watched it. You know, Me too. typically I wouldn't have been happy to hear I was going to watch two superhero movies in one day, but we did it. We did it. And it was a good day. All right. So songs from 1989, the release year of this movie. Give me some of your favorite songs. All right. The first one I picked is After All by Peter Cetera and Cher. I just love that song. Also, you want to hear something silly that it makes me think of? Yeah. Do you remember, I mean, when YouTube was, was like brand new, I'm sure people still do it now. Right. But people would make fan videos of like couples that they shipped of a TV show or whatever, and they would, you know, splice them all together and put music to it. Sure. You probably don't. No, okay, well, I don't. <laughs> for Dawson's Creek, I remember that somebody made a Pacey and Joey video, and it was to this song. Very dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> it was dramatic. So it makes me emotional. I mean, all the stops and starts, we keep coming back to these two hearts. Oh. <laughs> to me, that's Dawson and Joey. No, it is not. You are so uneducated about Dawson's Creek. 
You cannot make any blanket statements when you have not watched the entire show. I'm going to go make my own fan video to this song for <laughs> Dawson and Joey. <laughs> one probably already exists. <laughs> All right, get to it. All right, my first one from Young MC, Bust a Move. She's dressed in yellow. She says, hello, come sit next to me, you fine fellow. You run over there without a second to lose. And what comes next? Hey, Bust a Move. I love how we dance after we say certain songs and there's no music playing, but we start singing it in our heads. <laughs> we do. Probably the same exact part of the song, too. Yep. I love this song. It's a jam. You got it right. This was a jam. Another one that's a jam, Pump Up the Jam by Technotronic. Technotronic. Yo, pump up the jam, pump it up, while your feet are thumping, and the jam is pumping, look ahead, the crowd are jumping. We danced again. We did it. <laughs> I can remember making a lot of techno music on my very first keyboard. And then I would, I think I had a program on my computer back then that would do visualizations of sounds it heard. So I'd be in there like in my first like rave party. <laughs> little DJ. Yeah. Also, recently someone sent me a video. I don't know if you remember. Six Flags is the place that I know of where they did this. They may have done this other places where you could go into a booth and make your own music video. Oh. I remember uh, some friends of mine had done this when they were kids, and it was to actually, this is ironic, it's actually to one of the songs that you're going to mention in a minute. Is it? Yes. But this person was one of our followers on Instagram and sent me a video of her with, I think, maybe some siblings and her best friend, and they are dancing and lip syncing to pump up the jam. Really? Yes. And you could walk by and like watch people making their videos. You don't remember that at all? I never saw that, I don't think. Good times. If anybody has a video like that, send it to me. <laughs> we were at uh, Darien Lake quite a bit. That was the local amusement park. I don't remember that booth being there anywhere. Yeah. We weren't quite as advanced as Six Flags. Well, our local <laughs> theme park is Lake Winnie, which yeah. is not advanced at all. I think it's almost, I mean, they've made some upgrades since I was a kid, but I guarantee you if I went and walked around it right now, some of those things are still the exact same. Which is fun. It is fun. I mean, I'm not saying like there's plenty of things at like Disney World that are the exact same too. So. The actual like local one for when I was growing up was a place called Seabreeze, oh. which was down near Charlotte Beach, I think. And they had a, a roller coaster called the Jackrabbit. So mm -hmm. you'd go to Seabreeze to ride the Jackrabbit. Ours was the Cannonball. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Okay. Wooden coaster? Yes. Yep. All right. Number two on my list, Skid Row, 18 in life. He just gave me a concert. I did. I sang the chorus for you very dramatically, which is fitting for this song and for me. I love dramatic music. <laughs> As we have heard. Yes. <laughs> and my last one, this one actually, it's so funny to me that it came out in 89 because this is a song that I grew to know and love when I was in high school by the Indigo Girls, Closer to Fine. Closer I am to find. 
this, like a bunch of my friends were into Indigo Girls and would go to Lilith Fair and do all of that. And I always wanted to go, but I never got to go. You never went to Lilith Fair? No. I never went either. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like everybody that I used to listen to, or, or not everybody, but like Sarah McLaughlin, like all these great artists that I listen to all the time were there. You missed out then. I did. Along those lines, when I was looking up the songs that came out in 89, I was shocked to see, because I did not remember this, that was the year that Nirvana released their first album. It was on Sub Pop, and like About a Girl was on that album. Right. So I almost put it on here. I actually had it on here and I took it off, but it just feels like a song that should be a 90s later song. in the 90s, yeah. yeah, not in 1989. I know. But hey, I mean, I think that's a sign of a good song, though. Yeah. That it can last that long and feel current to the people that are listening to it. Right. And there was a few more like grunge bands that released their albums that year as well. So this year was kind of the very early beginnings of the grunge movement. Mm -hmm. But you went a different way with your I song did. choice. My third choice is from the B-52s, Love Shack. This is one that I could listen to over and over again. I love this song. I would sit there and wait for it to come on MTV, and I'd be so excited when it played. It was a fun video, too. Yeah. And this this is the song I was talking about that my friends did the video at Six Flags, too. Right. It was great. Now, did you say they sent this to you? No. The Pump Up the Jam video oh. was one that one of my followers I sent gotcha. to me. This one, my friends, uh, Leah, shout out if you're listening. <laughs> and I think it was Shelly that made this video. And I just remember Leah would show it to me and I just thought it was great. Yeah. And I think that they even showed a little bit of it maybe in our class night video. What year was that? Class of 98? Class of 98. He always, <laughs> he always <laughs> makes fun of my home video where I sound very Southern. Here's my class night. Class of 98. Class of 98. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Leah, if you're listening and you have access to that, Ooh. you should send it to me or I could digitize it for you. That's right. Also, Leah, do you have the video of us dancing to Lisa Lisa and the Colt Jam head to toe in your front yard when your dog cooler chased me around? <laughs> do you have that video? And if you do, let me know. <laughs> the end. All right. Well, that's it for this week. That is it. We'll talk to you all soon. Bye. Bye.